The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 100 in the books. And we have a special guest to talk a lot of NL West action, which I, I really enjoy as a Giants fan and all. But we'll sprinkle in a little bit other baseball you know, around the country. And he's a member of Baseball HQ. You can find him on Twitter at that underscore gig 20. Brian Slack, how are we doing, man? Doing very well. Doing very well. Thanks for having me on. And it's, yep, it's, no it's, problem. It's, it's the GLG 20. Do you, have you, oh, GLG. do you know what GLG 20s is from? I was going to ask you what uh, this, the significance of this handle was. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I got on Twitter, I guess it was a few years ago. It just had came 
picked the first thing that came to my mind, and it was the team name I've had for a while, which is GLG20s, based on the uh, Spies Like Us, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. Yes, They were were dummy spies, GLG20s. So this was a a reference very uh, old. I need to update that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great that you said that because, A, I can't read apparently, and B (laughs) – no, that's great because some guys, you know, are you know keep it simple like myself, and there's others that get creative with it. And I actually appreciate the creativity because you get some really good ones. I'm gonna update my references. You know, something maybe at least not, I'm not even saying that you know the 2000s, but at least take it to the 90s or something like that. I think. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, because it is kind of crazy to think about the 90s is so far away now. Yeah, um, it's nuts. But let's get into some NL West talk, and we're gonna kick it off with one of the hottest names in all of baseball down there for the LA Dodgers, Max Muncy. Um, never really got it going with the A's, and now as a Dodger has just burst onto the scene this year, uh, power out the wazoo. What are you seeing with Max Muncy, and is this sustainable for the rest of the season? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I look. I, I like to. I like to. You know, think that the analysis um, and, and kind of digging deep into the numbers will you know turn up some things that you kind of you know uncover like what a player is and what you can kind of expect. You know, to, to some extent moving forward. Um, you know, Muncy had five career home runs and about two hundred at bats with the A's, and then it's not like he even just came in this year. Uh, you know busting at the seams he was hitting 207 with two homers in april when filling in for for turner and um you know i, I had written him up in the in the playing time tomorrow segment and you know even at the time it was it was one of those things you're like okay you know there's just nothing that's standing out as going this is a guy i needed to jump on um you know to any degree but he has good um good play discipline good eye and doesn't chase a lot of bad pitches and you know, really ever since May 1st, he's just been, been tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, he has six homers in 32 June at bats. And um, he's insane. He's insane right now. And, and you know, I don't know, you know, as I think about it, I don't have him anywhere. There were a couple of times when in some of the leagues I was in, I had a conditional bid, maybe a little bit farther down the line. But, I mean, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much missed. I've obviously missed this train. And I'm wondering if I had him in a trading league what I would do. And I, I think the answer is just sit tight because I can't imagine anybody giving you like, what if this is legitimate and he carries it on through the rest of the year? Um, you know, you're, you're trading the potential of, of that upside for, for what I just can't imagine he's going to command much right now, um, you know, in, in, in the kind of the league market, but um, it's been fun to watch, you know, I, I do, uh, you know, watch some of the, the Dodger games and, and he's just been on fire. So um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's the crazy one is I literally, that's what I was going to ask you. Someone asked me today in a DM if they would trade Max Muncy for K with the Chris Davis. And I was sitting there going, well, Chris Davis has more of an established pedigree. We know what we're going to get. You're going to get a boatload of power. And we're seeing it the last couple of days is just launching everything. But you got Muncy, who we've seen, you know, every year there's always that random guy that just all of a sudden it clicks and he puts a full season together. And if he can continue doing what he's doing now, or at least I'd say 80% of what he's doing now, between the batting average and everything else, he might outperform a Chris Davis. He might not, though. So it was a big kind of do you want to take the gamble or do you not? Because, like you said, he really didn't even start the year that strong, but now he's just hitting everything under the sun. And you wonder if you know, you'll see pitchers adjust to him and maybe there's a there's a hole in his swing that scouts are seeing and the advanced scouts for like three series from now are starting to take notes and all of a sudden he's having issues. But 
it'll be interesting. You know, the Dodgers, for the most part, they've been battling injuries, but they do have some depth. And they've been moving him all around the diamond, it seems like, uh, corner infield spots. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he keeps going. I'm like you. I just kind of sit and enjoy it and see where it goes. Unless, like, would you do a Chris Davis for Max Muncy? I would do it, and I'd do it pretty quickly. But that's that's just because maybe I'm, I'm risk-averse, and I would think, you know, I guess if I was towards the bottom of the standings and I said the only way I'm really going to climb out of this hole is if Muncy goes Muncy for the next three and a half months. Um, but, but yeah, otherwise I'd probably, probably take Chris Davis and, and move on. But, um, it, it's just, it's such a, you know, it, it, it's great, but it is, it is a small sample. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good comp, but, but, you know, just last year, I just remember Marwin Gonzalez yep. kind of just, you know, busted out a little bit kind of, I don't know if it was the same time frame, but you know, a couple months in, and then you just carry that through for the, the remainder of the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would, but I could also understand somebody that says, hey, you know, the upside is, is kind of there because I guess with Chris Davis, you'd be you're pretty sure he's going to hit what, uh, you know, maybe 240-ish or something like that. So Yeah, so that's kind of what I was telling him is, you know, you, you know what you're getting from Chris Davis, and it's a very, very good ball player with a ton of power. Mm-hmm. So you can take that to the bank for the most part, but uh, Muncie, very, very much a gamble. So that's a good point. If you're towards the bottom of the stands and you need that, skyrocketing type player and you want to roll the dice Muncie's probably the way to go, but uh, it's all team dependent. Obviously when we look at all that, let's talk about another Los Angeles Dodger. He was a big topic of discussion in a lot of waiver wires this past week. So I'm on a couple 15 man leagues. And for the most part, you need to be in a 10 or a 12 to have a chance to get jock jams himself, jock Peterson, who has just been torching it. And I was like, I put bids in this past weekend. I was hesitant because it was the typical, okay, I went into Coors Field and I tore up Coors Field. Now is this going to continue? And he was doing it a little bit beforehand, and he's still doing it a little bit after. He's only, he's still young. He's, um, what, 26 years old. So he might just be fine in that prime that everybody thought he was going to have. What's your thoughts on Jock Peterson? My thoughts are that I'm not that surprised because this is the one year I don't have him. Uh <laughs> Finally, oh, finally is- got tired. I kept, I kept thinking about, okay, you know, I, I looked at his, uh, what would that be? Second half of 2016, he had that power surge. I'm like, oh, this is going to be it. So we got him um, heavily invested uh, last year and, and didn't quite work. And then, so this year kind of took a pass, especially because it seemed like it was going to be so jammed up for playing time. You know, wasn't sure, you know, with Kemp there, um, when it looked like Taylor would be in center, um, you know, I just didn't really see the kind of avenue to playing time, but the one thing and, um, you know, Ray Murphy actually mentioned this maybe a month, maybe two months ago, month and a half ago. Is it, it um, that his that his contact rate? You know, he's always struggled. Um, maybe sub seventy percent contact rate was up, and it's up right now at eighty four percent. So it's just that up until June. That, so um, if he can pair that with the contact, and um, you know, it looks like that's, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I think maybe the last 30 days, June just been on a tear. He's got, yeah, he's got seven home runs in June. So that's um, ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, he's shown that he can hit with this type of power before. And so if he can pair that, um, I'm intrigued and would be buying if I could, because I just don't know, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're two and a half months in. Um, I don't know what you're expecting or what a, a, an owner could be expecting to, to pop up on the wire, especially with, with the news of Vlad's injury. Uh, maybe Lo Jimenez is delayed. It's like, you know, where, where could you possibly get um, that type of upside? 
you know, and I think that he's, he's shown what that is and he's shown glimpses of that in the past. So I would, I would be, yeah, I would be trading for him or, you know, at the right price. And if he's still available, putting in bids for him. Yeah. And you look at his, you know, monthly breakdown, the March, April beginning, he still hit 288. The power wasn't really there, but he was, you know, for jock hitting at an average like that, you, you got to be optimistic. And then May, he just kind of fell off the map again. And you mentioned that crowded outfield and people are probably getting worried. And then in June, He's just torching at 433, seven homers, like you mentioned. One thing I really do like, and it definitely has to correlate with his contact percentage you mentioned, he's only striking out at 14.5% of the time right now. For Jock Peterson, that is pretty darn outstanding. For almost any player, that's outstanding. But for Jock, a guy we know that's been known to kind of chase stuff, this is a big, big move in the right direction for a youngster. Again, 26 years old, uh, crowded outfield. Uh, you mentioned Matt Kemp. He's not on the outline, but just a brief question for you here. And, and none of us know because baseball's crazy. But is this going to keep happening? Because my goodness, like before the season started, they were trying to find a way to get rid of him. And now he's now he's the second outfielder in starting for the National League at this moment. Uh, I don't know. Is he still leading the NL in average? Uh, um, no, he, he's, yeah, he's he's on fire. Um, and and I think that's yeah. I mean, when you watch him play, it just he looks good out there. I know he trimmed down the offseason. Um, ran through a catcher last night. I mean, this guy's on. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking he's gonna, you know, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, no, and it, I think it, that was, you know, I'll go ahead. No, I just think it's crazy watching this re- re- reinvention of Matt Kemp. And to be fair, he still hit 276 last year with 19 homers with the Braves. He wasn't a slouch by any means. That's why, like, when the trade happened this offseason, yes, he's expensive. Yes, many might say. He's, you know, not the Matt Kemp of old, which is – that's Captain Obvious takes. He is 33. But that kind of production in Atlanta, coming into an offense in L.A. where he doesn't need to be kind of a focal point, and now he is a focal point. I, I was very surprised by – obviously, I don't see a 335 average the rest of the way, but I do see another 10-plus homers possibly and maybe a 280 average. I think that's very possible with Matt Kemp. So, I don't know. I just want to get your take on that as, as you follow in the NL West and all. It was very interesting to see his production so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to continue. It's my take. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Let's talk one more Los Angeles Dodger batter for now. Cody Bellinger. This is an interesting case, and you know, there was the side that thought Cody was going to just duplicate last season, or not duplicate, maybe to 39 homers, but be darn outstanding. And there's the other side of the spectrum going, okay, sophomore slump's coming. Then the way the season started, yes, the sophomore slump was coming. He started to get it going again. Again, another young player. People need to, to understand that it's a baseball season. It's a long season. Things will usually, if the player's good, to me, it's always things will happen the right way. Um, what's your looks on a Cody Bellinger right now? I would be selling if I could. Um, I don't really have him anywhere. I mean, he was going really at the back end, I think, a lot of times in the se- uh, of 15-teamers, you know, back in the second round, maybe early third round in, in some drafts. Um, I think if I owned him, I would be thinking about, you know, selling and kind of, you know, pushing the narrative that he's made the adjustments that he's readjusted back and kind of point to last week's, uh, power outburst. I think he had four homers last week, uh, maybe in the last 10 days, something like that. But, um, you know, Jeff Zimmerman actually had a good breakdown on how he was, you know, seeing fewer fastballs. Um, and when he does, they're, they're all, you know, up and away. And he's hitting more grounders this year. And the strikeouts, even in June, uh, they're kind of a, a worth, the worst rate they've been so far. Um, 
And sometimes you see him, he just doesn't, he kind of talking to himself on the way back after a strike. I, he, you know, I, I do think he could turn around, but if you're able to get somebody to, to buy into that, I think you could get something pretty, you know, pretty valuable. Um, just based on the, you know, I think, I don't know if it's 11 or 12 home runs he has now, but um, yeah. yeah, I think he could probably get it. Something. Let's have a little, let's have a little fun with this then. Out of the Dodgers players we've talked about, would you rather have Bellinger or Jock Peterson? rest of the season i would still take bellinger but i would be much more excited about trading bellinger i didn't you know trying to get trying no, to get I, love, I love the idea of trading bellinger because like you said that name value to a lot of people still carries a lot of weight so there's and a lot I, to be said and i do think yeah i, I, I do see a, you know a scenario where, where jock kind of still continues to get limited to just to just uh righties you know um even if he's doing well um Whereas, I mean, Bellinger does have the ability to kind of turn on, but it's closer than it would have been obviously a draft day. And then, you know, a month ago. Um, yeah, I just, I, I do, uh, I'm just not the biggest fan. And that's not, says nothing about his long-term you know, outlook, but, uh, but yeah, for this season, I think I might just try to, you know, wouldn't be a huge do, fan. Do we think, I think it's a lot of just press clippings. Do we believe there's any way that they send him down to AAA Bellinger? I don't think so. No, I mean, there was, they, they said they hadn't considered it as of a week ago and instead they dropped him to seventh in the lineup uh, for the first time. And that was, I think the first of uh, four, it was either three, three consecutive days and maybe hit two in one day, something like that. But yeah, as soon as he got moved down, he had a three or four game stretch where it was a uh, Homer filled, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, it looks like with the, the, the presence of Muncie that they might have somebody to cover first base if they needed to, but I think it'd have to get, you know, pretty bleak. Um, you know, cause right now I think he's still, uh, he's still doing okay. Uh, one other question for you, Alex Verdugo, Verdugo is torching again in triple A's torching earlier, got called up was, you know, so, so in the bigs torching it again in triple A right now. If you had to make a guess, cause I think he's worth the stash if you have the room for him, but do you think he's going to have a role by seasons in with the Dodgers? I... I don't know. It's tough. I, it's I, tough. I, I love this. I love this. I just answer with I don't know all the time. My, my thinking is probably minimal, and if he does, his fantasy value is not that great, um, okay. honestly. It, it, you know, he can have some average, and he can be a nice filler, but in terms of stashing, I'd want to try to stash a guy that hey, maybe has a little bit more, you know, at least counting stat upside. Um, and I would think, the, you know, um, Andrew Tolles missed, I think, about five or six weeks with a hamstring injury, and he came back last week. I haven't checked and see how, how he's been doing lately, but – um, you know, he was having a, a, a great spring and he, he looked good, you know, um, to a point where I thought that he might push for at bats, um, you know, in left field, but that, that hasn't happened yet, but I don't know. Um, I probably, if I had to take one, I'd probably take tolls over Verdugo, but I might be in the minority okay. on that one. No, it's interesting. Cause yeah, they just keep showing how well he's playing and yeah, the Dodgers have plenty of outfielders is the problem. Uh, let's talk Arizona Diamondbacks. Daniel Descalso is a name that I've talked about him on a few shows. I've been on other shows talking about him, and every time his name gets brought up, people just go, ew, mm-hmm. it's Daniel Descalso. But you can't ignore what he's doing. I get the fact that he's not the, the sexiest of names or players out there, but he's been hitting for the most part in the middle of a Diamondbacks lineup that's heating up. Even when it wasn't hot, he was playing pretty well, and he's got you know middle infield eligibility. What's your take on Descalso? I, I can imagine the response you're getting. 
And I mean, that's kind of why he completely, completely overlookable in terms of, of drafting and, and rostering for fantasy purposes. But, but yeah, if you watch the games, he's always getting the clutch hits, uh, oh. RBIs. I looked at it today. He's got 36 RBI in 165 at bats. Um, yeah, that, um, even Eugenio Suarez is like, that's impressive. Um, yeah. but he, he's, he's kind of, yeah, like you said, he's, he, I think he was batting cleanup a lot of times, uh, for most of that uh-huh. series in Colorado. He's now working in um, to that middle infield rotation with Marte and Ahmed because he was, you know, played most. I think the position he's played most so far has been third base when Lamb was out. But yeah, um, yeah now that Lamb is back, it, I guess, you know, the sign Jay, there's a, a, he played a lot more outfield. This guy played a lot more outfield last year, but he hasn't played much this year, which is kind of surprising given that Souza's been out um, and they had the other injuries. But, um, I think if I'm imagining, you know, kind of what could happen and, and we'll talk about Marte in a second, but offensively, both of those guys are really just, you know, picking it up of late. So I guess I could see a situation where they kind of evenly distribute the playing time, you know, between Descalso and Marte and, and Ahmed and, you know, um, Descalso doesn't really hit lefties very well. Um, but you know, he's been hitting the ball hard and, and gets on base a lot. 13% walk percentage, uh, walk rate. So, um, yeah. yeah, multi-position eligibility is very valuable. Yeah, he's, he's definitely on the radar. But the next guy you already mentioned, Cattell Marte, he's a guy I think more streaming towards. He had that kind of prospect pedigree at one point in time with, with Seattle, didn't really pan out, got traded. Kind of slow going uh, last year, but tore it up at AAA, got his chance this year, and he's really kind of ran with it, especially in the last, I'd say, you know, a couple weeks to a month. And he's showing that talent people thought he would have. And they've kind of moved him all throughout the order. There's really no method to the madness there. What's your thoughts on Marte? And then would you rather roll the dice on Marte or Descalso? If you had to pick one. If you had to. I love Marte. Marte was one of my favorites heading into the draft season. Um, you and me both. Yeah. Good. I was like, he was going in yeah, the, the early 20s rounds, you know. Um, I thought – I was looking at he, – you know, he really dropped his, his strikeout minus walk rate. Uh, and improved his ex-Woba between 2016 and 2017. So, um, yeah, it just looked like that was going to be, you know, pretty – he's got to a slow start, and I, I do – yeah, he's picked up um, in his last 15 games. He has, he's, you know, hitting 12 uh, – hit safely in 12 of those, with uh, six of those being multi-hit games, and then three home runs. I think those were his first three of the year. Um, you know, he does have the dual position uh, eligibility as well. For me, it, it really is just, you know, Ahmed is so good defensively that how do they, you know, I think if I were running the fantasy team, I would, you know, you want to have, you know, Marte playing as much with Descalso, but it seems like it's going to be a, a crunch there until one of those two really runs away from, with it. Um, but I'd probably go, and it's so interesting, like um, Marte hasn't really been running this year. And I don't know if yeah, he ever that had. surprises me. No. I don't know if he ever had, you know, high ceiling type of speed, but at least I was thinking, you know, double digits, uh, and I don't, I don't think he's on pace for that now. But um, yeah, I'd probably go. Plus, I think Marte might overall be a better person batting average, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, no, I think that's kind of the way I'm leaning on it. I he was my favorite, like late round shortstop, middle infield option that you could sneak out of drafts, and it just didn't start out well, but it's starting to pan together. And I agree with the speed; it's interesting. You look at his minor league numbers, and given obviously different than the pros. But he was like a 20 to 30 stolen base guy almost every year in the minors. So even if you get your 15 to 20, 
you'd be absolutely ecstatic with that. But he seems to be using a little more power in the last year or so. Maybe he's trying to change his approach like all these guys are. It'll be interesting to see how that keeps playing out with the humidor and all that fun stuff in Arizona. And I have, and I have about, in my and I had my head that yeah. that uh, the home run he hit off Kershaw in the oh, that was awesome yeah in LDS I guess it was um, yeah yeah just in my head I'm like this guy's he's gonna he's gonna be on the come but yeah it's been a little bit slow to start the season yeah he's still young so maybe it'll pan together yeah. uh, let's talk Ross Stripping the guy that has just you know finally got that shot at every day every fifth day starts for the Dodgers as they've been you know ravaged with injuries in that starting rotation and he's ran with it uh, usually mostly known for kind of a spot starter guy, never really had his full-time role. He was almost exclusively out of the bullpen last year. You know, one six five ERA, the FIPS, the XFIPS, all that kind of obviously show you can't keep a one six five, but they don't show a massive amount of, of issues with it. He's getting uh, almost 11 Ks per nine. This guy's looking really, really good. How do you look at him going forward, especially with the potential? He really hasn't gone too deep into like innings-wise each season. Mm. I would try to find some cracks in it. You know, I think if anything, it's just the the, the durability in terms of a, of a longer term where he's kind of carried this forward. Um, but you look at it. Yeah. Strikeout rate, the walk rate uh, is limiting hard contact. Um, from what I've read, there's nothing, you know, like, uh, you know, kind of an aha moment where he you know, completely changed everything, but it just looks like he's, he's throwing his curveball um, a little bit more, a little bit harder. And I'm not one of those guys that, is, is, is capable of figuring out based on a pitch mix, you know, what is, is kind of leading towards a positive change or a negative change that well. But, um, you know, just reading some of, you know, some of those things, it doesn't look like it was, you know, just one thing that's kind of stood out as in terms of that change. But, but yeah, he was good in the bullpen to start the year. Um, I, I, I love, I love, you know, the, the team context and almost in the same way you are with Muncie. Like I can't imagine, you know, guys are going to give you, you know, they're calling you, you know, um, late at night trying to, you know, strip, you know, uh, strip raw stripling from your, your fingers. But, um, so yeah, I think you probably, you're probably holding on to them and you're probably pretty excited about it. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about some San Francisco giants, Brandon Crawford, a couple of years back had an outstanding in 2015, 21 homers at 256. you know, he had 12 homers, 275 in 2016. Overall, his numbers weren't horrible last year, but people considered it a pretty down season. Well, he's hitting 328, eight homers. Um, Babbitt with 386, likely not sustainable. But um, the run has been hot, and we know he can he, he can he can hit, and he's going to play every day with a Gold Glove at shortstop. What's your kind of thoughts on Brandon Crawford overall? I think that he probably went, you know, in 15 team formats, or, you know, somewhere between the 20th and 25th round, and the people that took him were, you know, probably not doing somersaults when they landed him. Uh, they're just like, this is a nice guy to kind of just steady plug in. I think with, with Longoria and McCutcheon coming in, you probably looked at it, uh, and thought he would be lower in the order than he is. Um, he's been hitting, you know, most, I mean, I, I know recently cleanup with, with belt out and, um, you know, I don't know if you saw Longoria got hurt today. So whether he ends up maybe in the fifth or the sixth, you know, something like that, the guys had, I think the last three years averaged, you know, 80 ribbies. Um, needs a very solid, um, non when you look at some and I these kind of the kind of guy that you see on a lot of championship rosters you know it's not a guy that you know you're, everybody thinks that oh in those rounds you gotta take those deep shots you know those high upside plays a lot of times you're dropping those uh, two weeks in the season because they they flamed out pretty quickly so you know that's not to say that you just fill your roster with Brandon Crawford from top to bottom but there is something you know to be said for just getting some 
you know, steady production, um, you know, at, at certain points in the draft. So I think that the, yeah, most people are pretty, I, like you said, I think it's a, it's a 470 Babbitt since May 1. And oh, yeah. probably not, probably not going to sustain that, but um, yeah. you know, this doesn't mean he can't be very valuable um, the rest of the way. Yeah. Would you rather have Crawford or Cattell Marte? Oh, I would take Crawford. Yeah. I, I think, I think okay. just, just the dependability, the bats, if Crawford, if, if Marte was stealing more, um, I just think that, uh, that, yeah, that Crawford's pretty locked in, you know, not just right now, but he, he should be pretty bankable for the remainder. But it's close. Definitely. Definitely. Let's talk about a guy that's kind of broken onto the scene with the Giants this year. He's a former higher-end prospect in the Pirate system, only 25 years old, so still very, very young. He's flexing some power this year that many didn't see coming on quite like this. He's got the speed, plays all over the diamond. Alan Hansen, he came back from injury about a, you know five, six days ago, I believe it was, and you mentioned long ago going out, Hansen can slide right into third base. Uh, when Panic went out, he played second. To me, he's a better hitter than Panic, so I almost want him playing over Panic, but that's not going to happen because the loyalty in the Giants. But he should play at third base, I'd imagine, most days of the week right now. What's your thoughts on Alan Hansen? Because I know I grabbed him in a lot of places last go-around. I think, I think he's worth the play on most rosters. Yes, yes. He A lot of uh, really sharp uh, NFBC players um, picked him up when he was you know, filling in for panic. And, yeah, he had yeah, power speed. I think it was four homers and six steals, hitting 389 in, in the minors. And then he's got five homers and three steals so far. Uh, I think he went three for five today. He is – I'll be interested to see what they do at third. I wonder if they try to work Sandoval in, you know um, – yeah, they probably will accept the Giants. Because it's the Giants, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, that, that combo and speed has been really hard to find this year too um, in, in the leagues I've been in. So I, I think that he's got that kind of intriguing skill set that um, – and, yeah, I still think – I think a lot of people dropped him when Panic came back. So I'll have to check. I know that there's one league he's available, and I, I considered him last week but had other needs – which seems like the theme for my entire year. It's basically just just trying to make it from one week to the next uh, without jumping out the window. But uh, these guys, you know, limited bench spots. Yeah. So, um, but no, I'll definitely be you know looking at him this weekend. Try and get him where I can. I'm sure there won't be many people higher on my kind of claim list than than he will be. And his yeah, nickname no, is I... Hanny. And his nickname is Hanny. You know, Bruce Bochy calls him Hanny. Oh man, that's my favorite. That's my favorite yeah. fact. That's my favorite. What a great. <laughs> that's yeah, how that's I decided. Yeah. What do you think? You watching them? I love him. Like I said, I grabbed him immediately when he was starting every day. I held him in a couple leagues. I had to let him go, just like you said. It's been such a grind, and we're only two months through the season, basically, a little over two months now. And it's just been, like you said, each week, okay, I need to fill this roster. How do I do it? And who can I drop, even though I don't want to drop right now? Because I have to. That's just the way it's going. It's pretty wild out there in, in the fantasy streets, but. Alan Hansen, I think, is if especially if they start playing him every day. I still think even when Panda, because he will get some starts at third when Belt gets back, because Belt should be rehabbing in Arizona right now. He's expected back, I think, maybe this week, and if not, next week. Um, so he's coming back soon, and he's obviously going to slot right back in there. So I, I think they're still will find a way between third base, second base. He even played some shortstop. He had Crawford days off. He'll play, I'd say, if they play seven games a week, he's playing at least five of them, if not more. And five games of Alan Hansen with his production level will be much, much better than most things you can get on the waiver wire like you were talking about earlier. So I think he's a very, very good guy to go look and pick up on and uh, grab to help your teams out. 
for sure. I was going to uh, say, you, in the outfield, um, yes. I was – He can't play out there too. I was, pretty excited. Well. I was pretty excited. I held on to, to Mac Williamson in a couple of spots. And I know he had a home run today, but he sat yesterday against a lefty, also sat Tuesday. You know, the strikeouts have been there a little bit more since he came back from the, uh, the deal with the concussion. And, you know, Austin Jackson got the start yesterday. Pence, um, small sample, but he might have like five hits and 15 or 16 at-bats since he's gotten back. I, I kind of started to think, even before the Longoria injury, that they would try to figure a way to get that, that offense, you know, um, Hanson's offense into the lineup. And I was thinking that, it looked like it might be at the expense of Max Mac Williamson, but um, you know now that this is open a little bit more, I think it's even more wide open for him. I think Max is going to get most starts of the week. They really want to get with him. The only thing that scares me, and this could be why he's not looking like the guy beforehand, those concussions, man. Like he still might be experiencing things that he can pass the test, but something's still not right there. Is the only thing I'm concerned about. But he uh, did go deep today, like you're talking about. I think he's going to get as many starts as he can before. You know, Williamson started struggling and Pence was still – they left Pence in rehab for longer than they needed to. There yeah. was talks about – there were talks about possibly cutting Hunter Pence. Yeah. So it, it was it was close. They want Mac to play every day over Jackson and over Pence. So that's that's the plan. We'll just see how it gets executed. I like it. I hope it – I hope that happens. So do I because the way I look at it with the Giants, if they're not going to win, you know, get to the playoffs and do that, I want to see these young kids play and see what we have for the future. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, and so, what are they? What are they now? As I as I continue to not let you move forward with the list, what are they? Uh, three no, it's games, fine. Three games out. Three yeah, that's the thing. Is that's the thing? As I said from day one on my the other baseball show I do, when uh, my co-host likes to pick fun at the Giants when they're struggling, I said when Bumgarner went out, if they can be just five hundred when he gets back, they'll be okay. And they did that, and they've been you know Cueto's still a ways out. Samars so is rehabbing on Friday. He's not great, but he's a, he's a workhorse and eats innings up. They are real close. Uh, it's just like one hot streak, and they're there. Same th- same time, one's you know bad week, and they're out of it. So mm-hmm. I guess they'll see how it goes. But they can't just throw in the towel because they're still there. And there's already rumors that Cody Guerin, who's been okay out of the bullpen, but not great. Guys like him, they're trying to put on waivers to see if someone will grab them to get more salary relief. So then they can go trade for someone to help make the team better for the stretch run because their whole goal is to not go over the cap. They want to stay – in the good standings for next season. So it's, it's very interesting juggling act they're doing right now. I mean, they did a great job in the off season, you know, say what, say what you yeah, want. I was, I was pumped on him. The touch starting to heat up on deep again today. Long ago, I, he's doing everything I thought he was going to do, but now that hand injury really sucks. So let's see how that goes. All right. Let's talk Tom Murphy, big time catching prospect for the Rockies, crushing baseballs in Albuquerque, which pretty much everybody can do if you can swing a bat, uh, Coors has similar results, one would say. But uh, the kid's supposed to be good. Rumors are they want Ionetta coming off the bench, so it's Murphy's job, it looks like, for now, even though he didn't start today, but that could be day game after a night game type stuff. Uh, what have you seen or heard about Tom Murphy? It was, It's kind of interesting that they do have Walter still on, on the roster. Um, I, I know that Ionetta was – I don't know what the Rockies expected from Ionetta and how much different that was from what he's been producing. But, um, you know, he's kind of doing his, you know, Ionetta thing. And, uh, yeah, Murphy was, was tearing up. He had 16 homers, uh, hitting 289 in 49 games in, in AAA with a 70% contact rate, which was a problem last year. Um, but it's, 
you know, how it goes. It's like he was, I remember Murphy having quite a bit of buzz heading into last season when it looked like it was just um, Murphy and Walter sharing the, the catching duties because it was based on uh, a lot. The, the five home runs, if you remember, Murphy came up in, in 2016 and killed it in September with five home runs in September. And then, yeah, just never quite got going last year. So, um, I mean, in two catcher leagues, he's going to be very popular this weekend. And I don't, I, I'm in the, you know, TG FBI, but I don't know where that's going to put him on the one catcher leagues. Um, probably somebody you want to take a shot and see if he's actually made those, those positive, you know, developments, then he sticks and then he's better than, than your catcher. If not, maybe you can release him pretty quickly, but a lot of it will just be to see if he's striking out as much as he was uh, at the beginning of last year. No, that's a great point because two catcher leagues, yes, you're running to add a player like this. You just want a catcher that can basically breathe most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in those single catcher leagues, catcher's been so bad this year. There's maybe five, six, maybe seven catchers that are really worth, okay, I'm not going to change things here. There's a bunch you could take questions on. Like, look at, you know, John Ryan Murphy came out of nowhere and people are running to him. Would you rather have Tom Murphy or, or John Ryan Murphy? Who would you rather take a chance on? Which Murphy? Um, Andy Murphy's not a choice here. I will go. I will go <laughs> with. Um, I'd go John Ryan Murphy. Just, I mean, he's he's looking good. Um, I have to believe he's going to continue to get a run. You know, um, I, I may be wrong on that, but but it would be uh, and probably probably pretty close. They're really close because just I, I think the upside would be a little bit higher with Tom Murphy, especially in you know Colorado, just to have a, a Rockies catcher and to be able to look at those box scores every day. That does a lot for your own morale with your own fantasy teams. So I'm not, now changing my answer. Based on morale, I'm going to go to Tom Murphy over John Ryan Murphy. I like it. I like it a lot. Because uh, yeah, John <laughs> Ryan, like Max Stassi, and those guys were like the popular calls. And I think I'd take the chance on Tom Murphy over all of them just to see what you get because you hit it on the head. That, that Colorado influence does factor into play quite a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about another Rocky, DJ LeMahieu. Uh, we know everyone was drafting him for his average because he doesn't hit home runs, yada, yada, yada. Well, he's already got six this year. He went on that power surge early. He's got hurt. What do you got on DJ? So that that's the thing. I, I think, and, you know, just kind of things you kind of listen or pick up on, it's, it's, there's maybe a sense that he's a little not maybe disappointing or, or maybe a little underappreciated in the marketplace, uh, that he's kind of just batting average and, you know, he's not stealing many bases. But um, he did have he has six home runs, and I think I think his overall uh, stat line is depressed because he did he missed a, maybe a few weeks with that thumb uh, or thumb wrist injury, and he's got he's played forty three games he has he already has thirty two runs, which even if you just pace that out alone is is, is one hundred and twenty you know something like that on the year, and if you remember Blackman had one hundred and thirty seven you know last year at the top of that lineup. It's the runs and the batting average. I, I just, you know, sometimes I think that gets undersold. And if there's a, a LeMahieu owner that has other options or is like, oh, I just wanted more power speed, then I think you might be susceptible to kind of swooping in and, and grabbing him. And I'm, I wouldn't be all that shocked if, if LeMahieu hits, hits 20 this year. Um, I realize it would take a little bit more than the current pace, but he's pulling the ball more than ever, uh, 31% of the time. And he's hitting the most fly, fly balls uh, of his career at 25%. So, you know, he's not necessarily kind of, uh, um, you know, club records, but maybe his own personal best, which is uh, maybe 10 or 11. I think he'll he'll surpass that pretty quickly. You know, so. I like that call a lot because there are people that are kind of disappointed in what they've got from him. And, you know, you, you hit it there is he's pulling the ball a ton more, which all the stuff you read on fan graphs or 
you know, Sarah's with the athletic and all those guys talk about uh, pulling the ball down the line. Obviously the better home run chances you're going to have. He's hitting more fly balls. He's 29 years old. So, you know, it's crazy, but people don't realize he could still be just finding his power, which is something that is a possibility and playing in Coors doesn't stink. So I think it's a good trade choice. Um, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. What, what do you think his value kind of would be in a trade? I know it's dependent on the owner. You need to find one that's down on him, but what kind of stuff would you be offering up for a DJ LeMay here? Second base wise. Uh, I think, I think LeMay, he was going in the ninth or 10th round in a lot of drafts. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to consider him, you know, I would, I wouldn't think it's crazy to, to trade a, a six, you know, six round talent for him. Um, who that is off the, is now escaping me, but um, you know, if uh, yeah, Chris Taylor, I would, I would, I would take LeMahieu over Chris Taylor. Um, some guys like that. Probably yeah, take Baez. Probably take, yeah, probably take, still take Javi Baez just because he's having a better year than I thought. I was, that's when I'll take the L on. I was not expecting much from him this year, but the homers and, and ribbies have been there for sure. Or homers and steals have been there for sure. I'm with you 100% on Javi Baez. I took the big L on that one as well. I was anti-Javi Baez, and wow. every It's almost like, oh, my goodness. It's like Homer Simpson. And boom. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's talk San Diego Padres. We were laughing before the pod started. It's like, okay, we wanted to kind of hit a player or two from every team, and Padres, I couldn't think of anything. You know, we could talk Fernando Reyes. You could talk all these young, talented players that are kind of trying to figure things out or not even up in the bigs yet. But then there's Corey Spangenberg. I mean, and you, you know, this is a guy that even last year he was kind of waiver wire relevant at times, and he's back, you know, getting regular playing time, kind of getting things going. This this latest stretch, his overall season stats don't show it all. But, you know, he's a power speed combo guy that could help you out, and you could probably get him cheap on the waiver wire too. What are you seeing with a guy like Corey Spangenberg? Yeah, and and like you mentioned, I we um, I should give a shout out to my partner in crime, Nick Sackett. Uh, we split all our, our main event teams. And so we, we kind of um, have lengthy calls every Sunday for our fab purposes. And one of the names we talked about and, and grabbed in a couple spots was, uh, was Corey Spangenberg. Um, he's working his way into that rotation. Uh, Christian Villanueva has, has definitely cooled off. Uh, he's still got the power, but the batting average just continues to kind of sink, especially against um, righties. And Jose Perella, uh, if you remember, kind of came out, you know, pretty hot last year with some maybe 10 homers and five steals, four steals in about 300 at bats. He is still looking for his first home run and hasn't played the best defense at second. So I think Spangenberg started tonight at, at third in place of Villanueva, but the yeah, two of the, of the three games earlier this week, he started twice at second. So it seems like I think he started four straight now and um, has six homers, five steals, the batting average hasn't been all that great, but um, you know I, I think that on that team and he's hitting in a pretty pretty nice spot in the lineup, kind of toggling between second and fifth. But um, I don't think it's going to cost you much, and it's kind of one of those, um, you know, not a Brandon Crawford type move, but it, it's one of those unsexy moves that when you put him in there and you kind of look up and go, how did the, you know you're looking at the championship team roster and you go, how did this guy win this? Corey Spangenberg on this roster, you know, and then you look up, okay, well, he's got, you know, for, for the times you played him, he's got, you know, 11 homers and eight steals and he dropped him or whatever. He starts to lose playing time. So, um, yeah, I think he's dealt with, he took, and, and one last thing he dealt with, you know, hamstring issues, I guess it was uh, injuries the last couple of years. So perhaps he's fully healthy and, and looking to, uh, to go on a run here. 
And you're saying it, he's, he's not the sexy name like the Brandon Crawford. He's, you know, five homers and six six stolen bases right now. He's a guy you could literally see going 15-15 by season's end, not accumulated, but overall maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, but in that ballpark. And that's definitely a guy that give you an asset, especially this part of the season. Like I said earlier, we're a little over 40% of the way through the baseball season. So you're running out of time if you're trying to add certain categories without making trades. And there's not – you're going to get the random guys here and there, but you're not going to get a ton anymore. Like It's going to take some weird you know, injuries or random guys just popping up off the blue and everyone's going to just be like, whoa, where did he come from? So I think it's a very good call. We kind of have a track record with him. It's a guy you can trust a little bit. Which you know, I know he's, I know he's hot right now, and we've already talked about. It. You kind of roll, the, you kind of roll with with what you got. If you had to, I, I think you're probably going to laugh at me for saying this, but Max Muncie or Corey Spangenberg. I would still go with Muncie. Uh, I would still go with Muncie. Um, a little bit of, of need. I mean, I guess if there's a situation where you're really hurt in the middle and your league has just been killing you with, you know, uh, those type of pickups and you need some speed and you need a middle, then especially given the, the relative cost between, you know, him and Muncie, uh, I think you could, you know, I could see how you might prefer, prefer Spangenberg. But uh, I'm intrigued enough. I'm intrigued enough by Muncie to see where this goes, you know, to see what. Spangenberg or Cattell Marte. I would go with Cattell Marte, but that's just because I'm I'm in love with him. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I actually I think that's a, that's a very close comp, and 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 yeah, I think Spangenberg probably it feels like Spangenberg might have just a, a little bit better potential for a run there. I just can see a situation where Perella doesn't really get that many you know between Perella and Villanueva, there's nobody else right now. Maybe Luis uh, Urias right in yeah. San Diego later yeah. this year. He pushes for some second base time, so. Um, it would kind of just be trying to think about which one would have the best chance at that. But speed is, is like I said, kind of a rarity, and I would take uh, Spangenberg there for sure. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about Rotoware. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with Rotoware in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out. And there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones. But everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. All right. Let's talk about a couple players. You can do a little more quick hits on this okay. out of the NL West. Uh, Jason Hayward is a guy that most people like, you know, you mentioned his name, kind of like I mentioned some other guys earlier, like Doskalson, you're like, oh, Hayward again, he's been garbage, but actually not so much this year. He's not hit with power. Yes, no power out of Jason Hayward, not the guy people once thought would be the big home run guy, but his average is all the way up to 271 this year. He's hitting second in a very potent Cubs lineup right now, so the runs will be scored. He's driving in some runs, uh, and Mega hit 283 so far in June, he's hitting 298. 
what's your thoughts on a guy like Jason Hayward? Is is this kind of maybe he's figuring it out again, or just enjoy it while you got it? I'm I, I love it. I love it. Um, he's 28 years old. It feels like this guy's been around and, and disappointing for the last eight of those. Um, yeah. But he did have he's hit the ball harder than I guess the last time he hit it this hard was 2012 when he had 27 homers. Um, he had 21 steals that year. I don't think that's going to happen, but. He's got the highest fly ball uh, rate of his career at 42 and the lowest ground ball rate. Um, yeah, he's been on a tear, hit the walk-off slam against a lefty. I understand because his name has probably been – every time anybody's looking at the way where his name's oh, Jason Hayward, and you just skim over it. You're just like, no, not, not this this week. But uh, there is that, that you know, the baseball HQ saying. It's like once you have – once you, you know, display a skill, you own it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that – for the, the price that you have to pay, uh, I know he's been going more more frequently in, in free agent uh, rounds the last couple of weeks, but the re- the relative price is pretty low. And I think that in that lineup, that's one of the best lineups in the NL. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he sticks there and given the way he's hitting, I don't see why he can't. And that would be a, a lot of runs for a pretty cheap price. Yeah, and that's what I like about him. When he was kind of slowly heating up, like I said, he had a good May. There's no hiding that, but he's still batting like seventh in that order. And that's definitely not as, as you know, I want to go run out and get you. Yep. Now that he's up to that second spot, it's it's an everyday thing. And given Madden's crazy and things can change on the flip of a coin. But I think it's definitely making him much more viable. And I like that quite a bit. And maybe the power will come as things heat up in Chicago, get some good windy, windy days there. And you never know in Wrigley. Let's talk Brian Anderson of the Miami Marlins. He was kind of a talking point with some Twitter people over the week. And I remember looking at him in the, in the draft season going, okay, a late round corner infield guy. Again, not flashy by any means, but he's going to hit the ball well. And he's going to have every day at bats, which you couldn't say for a lot of guys that late in your draft. He, he might be exceeding expectations to some, maybe not to others. He's only striking out 19% of the time, a 308 average. The power is not great, but you look at his barrels, and all that stuff. He's hitting the ball great. He's just, some would say the term, quote unquote, unlucky, I guess. But what are you looking at with a guy like Brian Anderson? I mean, I think you put it much better than I could. Uh, he was, he's a guy that, yeah, I, uh, I didn't get any shares of, any exposure to. I don't know if it was a, a Marlins thing um, or if, if just in that part of the draft I was taking somebody else. But, uh, but yeah, it looks like an oversight at this point. And, yeah, the Twitter conversation you mentioned, he's, he's fourth in the NL in hits, and that surprised me. And he's top 30 in runs in the majors. And, um, I mean, it's very valuable from that spot. Um, his hard contact is good. His BABIP's a little high, but he had a you know, high BABIP last year. Um, I think that, that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be another one of those. That, yeah, I kind of wish I would have paid more attention to him. And, um I don't know if that's how other people will do it, but I know that sometimes I have a tendency to get a little bit of, of you know, a, a fantasy owner's three true outcomes. It's either like positive, negative, or neutral. And it's like, I, I just had like a negative for all the, all the Marlins, you know, and, and it's, it's terrible, terrible jamming. I'm losing all credibility in a matter of seconds here, but no, you know, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> and it's Cause all, we all, know, cause we all relate to what you're talking about. <laughs> you're just like, ah, really? Like you just, that park, that lineup, what's it going to be there? And, and yeah, I know that there were some, some pretty bright, you know, guys talking about uh, him. And I think it was Candelario in, in kind of the same conversation. And I think I kind of missed a little bit on, on both those guys. Um, so yeah, that looks like uh, something I'll have to remedy next year. Is, is uh, going deeper down the, you know, really kind of evaluating. But 
Um, I know we're in the wrap-up mode, but that's kind of what I would say is is how I'll approach those drafts, right? Is it, kind of figuring out the positions where I'm least excited to chase, you know, and um, kind of building your team backwards. So if, if there's a lot of corners you liked early, then I found myself, okay, you know, because I didn't want to chase those type of, of first basemen. So I kind of tended to lock up a first baseman and third baseman early, and then the, the kind of the corners just came later. So um, I don't know if that's what happened, but uh, it seems something happened there because he didn't uh, – he did not end up on any of my rosters. Yeah, he wasn't drafted by many because I know I saw Smada picked him up for a buck early in the year. Mm. He's, re he's reaping those benefits big time. Mm. Uh, just wanted to throw out Mickey Cabrera out for the year, which is, you know, another injury. And his, his career is slowly going away, which is crazy because he had such a great career. But John Hicks, Nico Goodrum, going to get everyday types of at-bats. Are those 15-team only guys, or do you see them being helpful elsewhere? I think Hicks. I think Hicks qualifies at, at catcher, if I'm not mistaken, or, or you're yes. sure in most leagues. Yes, he so he's pretty much. And I only. I, I don't know if I told you this. I, I only play 15 team leagues. Um, okay. Not on like some principle, but if I try to compute the 12 team, I, like little springs and uh, you know uh, screws start jumping out of my my, my brain there. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't quite know that I don't do the 12 team conversions all that well, but I. Um, wish that Hicks was available in at least one of my uh, my 15 team leagues and Goodrum I think Goodrum had some uh, a good a good little stretch there for early on you know kind of he kind of came out and was like who's this guy he was doing pretty well and it seemed like he tailed off and maybe some of that was playing time but uh honestly I'm not too sure I think it feels like those would he would be a 15 teamer at best yeah what I'm with you there the yeah it's tough Nico if you need kind of he's got so much position eligibility he's got outfield I think he Got first base, maybe still middle infield, so that's that flexibility is big. He's got a little more speed, but Hicks is a big time in the minors, power bat type guy. We've seen him in his kind of short runs at catcher, and the fact he is catcher eligible, but he's going to play first base every day is tremendous. So there's a lot there's a lot to like about Hicks and uh, 15 teams, and even in 12, if you're if you're in need of something like that, I don't hate it because we already hit on how the catcher's position so not good this year. So you can definitely go and take a gander at him there. I think it's worth at least checking your rosters and seeing what you have there. And on the note that you mentioned about uh, 15 teams and computing to 12s, I was laughing so hard in the preseason when we were doing 15-team drafts, mock drafts, all that stuff, and then someone asked me to be in a 12-team draft, and I showed up for draft day, and I was just another shock thinking, okay, we're in round 18 and this guy's available? Like, what the heck is going on right now? These <laughs> rosters just look insane. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's mind-blowing. Yeah. But, um, which and, and just to kind of to go on that is like yeah I, I do most of I don't really kind of have a, the target numbers and a lot of the projections that kind of compute you know to a to a certain number that I'm looking for, uh, so a lot of it is based on feel and I'll do those draft champions with the NFBC you know throughout you know those are the, the 50 round drafting hole yeah. start those and by the time you look at a lot of rosters you like I can tell that this is light in speed or power or pitching and something like that so that tends to be valuable prep for me. And so, yeah, and, and then just like you said, if I go and look at a 12 team, I don't even know. I feel like it has no holes, and that's always a you know, foul thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes it even harder. We already talked about earlier, okay, I got to dr drop a guy. Who am I going to drop to add? And it's like, well, why am I doing that with this roster? <laughs> it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Okay, last guy we're going to talk about here. Let's talk Shohei Otani. I, I can't not talk about him on the podcast since I haven't recorded since he went down with his injury. and. Uh, it was started out as a blister, went to an arm problem. I spoke on it a couple episodes back where I was already concerned for the fact they kept moving his starts around. And I thought if he's healthy, why can't he pitch once a week? That made no sense to me that they kept moving things around because they kept saying the blister was fine. But um, 
you know, they, they, he had the PRP injection. They're going to reevaluate in like two or three more weeks. He could come back and hit for them while they let just the arm heal like they tried to do with like Masahiro Tanaka, or they have surgery when we see him back in 2020. I think at his age, he's different than Tanaka. He's different than Cueto, who I talked about before on the show. Is I think at his age, being so young, I'm not as opposed to the surgery. Uh, I listened to a guy that said David Price last year with his unique elbow said, if I was in my young 20s, like Otani, I would have the surgery. But that's why he didn't have it because he's so old, he can't afford that kind of rehabilitation and everything. Hmm. What's your thoughts on Shohei Otani and this whole conundrum? I think that, again, you've put it better than I can. I, I tend to think about the the, the consequences of, of how it, it relates to lessons I should have learned when I was drafting and kind of what it means for this season. Um, I do, and I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, told people that I feel like a bad person when I think that when, when my first thought is, well, what does this mean for the rest of the, the angels rotation? You know, um, yeah, as opposed to awesome. thinking about the joy of watching him play, which it actually has been yeah. legitimately fun to see this kind of unique experiment. So um, I, I, I think that, yeah, you know, once I get over the kind of the guilt from that and, and kind of assess um, what they should do or, or what they might do, it does feel like I would not be banking on him for any pitching for this, the rest of this year. It does sound like, okay, if they waited till even at the end of this season and he was, they were somehow able to make a run, that he might be able to hit. Um, yeah, I mean, he's young enough to where, we, you know, we've seen people return. It is, you know, unfortunate for fans that want to see it, mm-hmm. um, him, you know, play every day frequently. But, uh, yeah, I would probably try to get healthy as possible and, and dominate and have a good – I think, you know, I think that he, if I'm remembering and kind of just remembering off the top of my head, but was about kind of going somewhere and about the longevity of his career, right? And, and, and making some kind of legacy, which is why he, you know, kind of passed up the money of, or, or, you know, by staying there and coming over later. So if that is kind of what I was thinking is that type of person, I would think like, well, you know what, let's just suck it up and make sure that we're good or at least able to play at our full abilities for, um, you know, coming back rather than, you know, I've seen, you know, I think it was, you know, Zahami. Some people, you know, people will, will do the, the PRP injection, come back and it doesn't work. And then they're, you know, then they go to have the surgery. Yeah, the Angels have a horrible track record of it. I can't remember who wrote it or something. There was an article because Richards went through something. Heaney's went through it. I think they had a couple more. But they tried the injections. Some came back and pitched for a few more months, then still had a surgery. Some, the injection didn't even work. Uh, most of them, let's just say the end result was they went under the knife. That's pretty much what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And it sucks, like you said. Is I was just like him. Like, okay, well, what's this mean for us? Well, yes, that's not the way to – obviously, we should be looking at it, but that's the world we live in, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And it's it sucks as a baseball fan because he is so great to watch. I even have he's playing in Oakland this weekend, and I was talking about it. He's like, yeah, we bought tickets for the Sunday game, thinking Otani like months ago, thinking Otani would be pitching on Sunday, and now he's like, yeah, now we don't get to see him. And I was like, well, bright side, you still get to see the best player in all of baseball play center field, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, um, yeah it is a bummer. It's a massive bummer. I'm just curious what they're gonna do because you know Trout's a free agent after 2020. If he has surgery, we only get one season of Mike Trout and Chelly Otani, which yeah. really sucks. Really yeah. sucks. But all right, man, that was awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. It's fun talking baseball with you. Um, what do you got coming up at Baseball HQ? Uh, more of the same. More of the same. Doing the the weekly NL West uh, playing time tomorrow column. It will actually come out tomorrow on the side. So um, I mentioned a little bit of Mac Williamson and uh, and Hanny. In there, so uh, but yeah, that's basically it. I kind of try to. Uh, I got a little one, uh, three month old, which is making any kind of performance I have on the fantasy baseball front um, all the more impressive in my eyes because uh, I don't I don't sleep. And um, 
yeah, that's it, man. Try to try to you know chime in a little bit on Twitter, but I'll uh, dude, thanks for having me on. I um, really appreciate it. I actually have one more question for you. I wrote it down. I forgot to ask you. I love it. You did you did mention that you are uh, a big time. You, you mainly play all NFBC type deals, and we were talking before the for the podcast about the TGFBI that we're both in. Um, how do you equate the two right now? Um, in in. The TGFPS is, is fun. It's fun. There's a lot of trading. I think that um, it's it's been a unique you know way to kind of bring and that's one of the things I'll probably think about not now because I'm so competitive and, and in the throes of competition. But I'll look back and say like oh you know getting to know some of these guys um, was the high point. Okay, I'll be like I'll, I'll remember that kind of more than than whatever the win loss record is. But uh, but you know right now it definitely uh, you know trade I made made a couple of trades. And uh, it's been fun. I um, the NFBC though, that's that's like um, it's like that World Series of Poker, you know, main event. Like it's a, that's just all I've wanted to win for a while now. And I lose sleep, man. I lose in, in addition to the, to the little sleep I already get. Just like, you know, you try to thread the needle because you have so many injuries, and you try to thread the needle with one little Jordan Miles start here. You know, like I know I, I know I should pick up a better starter, but I'm trying to hold on to Roberto Asuna one more week. And you throw Jordan Miles, and it doesn't work, and you just oh man, sleepless nights. So, um, but yeah. the NFBC, have you played any NFBC uh, live events or? Not yet. I plan on hopefully tipping my toe into the water next year. Oh man, it's incredible. It's incredible. The, the people that go out to Vegas, uh, we generally, you know, make a little pilgrimage out to Vegas and have a good time there. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted on the, on the progress there, but those teams are, um, perhaps a little bit more competitive than the TGFBI, which is why I'm trading like crazy. Cause, uh, yeah, Marcus Stroman drew my. Yeah, right. And, and went to the yeah, that's a, to the ground. Another, that's a whole other podcast in itself, Marcus. Uh, the Marcus Stroman uh, podcast. Okay. Yeah, that could be. We could bring clean. We could buy stock in Kleenex and talk about it. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to tell. We'll have to keep in touch about that NFBC deal because I've I've gotten to know a lot of you guys that are that make that pilgrimage to Vegas every year, and that's an easy San Jose to uh, Vegas flight for me on Southwest. So I can definitely make that happen. But uh, again, check them out on Twitter at. That underscore GLG20. Got it right that time. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and his, his work's at uh, Baseball HQ. Great stuff there, as always. Brian, thanks for joining me, man. Much appreciated. Thanks again. Have a good night. Everybody, everybody this is Bench of Bubba, episode 100 in the books. Catch you guys later.